this endurance that we get is meant to lead us somewhere. Why? Because God is doing something through your suffering. I don't care if it's if it's pain in your body. I don't care if it's finances. I don't care if it's, it's relationships. I don't care if you fallen off on your responsibility and now you're feeling the weight of that, God is doing something for your suffering. Today's sermon is called Standing in Grace, Romans 5, 1 through 5. And it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Point number one is the benefits of justification by faith. The benefits of justification by faith. What are we talking about here? Let's look for just a second. The Christian life is not about what you do as much as it is about who you are. Everyone see that? The Christian life is not about what you do as much as who you are. So vitally important. We've been talking about this now for weeks. This is what the Bible teaches. Anyone that teaches anything different than this is teaching heresy. It's about faith, not works. Works come later. Works do not justify us before God. Faith does. In being justified by faith, I am no longer dependent on the things I do to make me right with God. This is such a vital sentence for everyone to say this morning. I ask you, read this with me. In being justified by faith, I am no longer dependent on the things I do to make me right with God. That is absolutely amazing. It no longer depends on what I do. It no longer depends on what I do. No. It's about what Christ has done. You mean justified by faith? I am no longer it's I am no longer dependent on the things I do to make me right with God. It's it's not about that. And this is why the gospel is so offensive. This idea runs counter to the culture's idea of justification. Culture's idea of justification says, I need to be good. Well, if you're just good enough, God will accept you. This is not what the Bible teaches. And friends, that is why it is so offensive. That's why the gospel is offensive. Because people want to be their own means of justification. We want to be seen in light of the things that we do. Faith isn't good enough. But the Christian life is not about what you do as much as it is about who you are. 
Let's look at the verses for just a second. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What are the benefits? The benefits of our justification Well, we already read them. Let's just skim through them. We have peace with God through our kurios. This is the Greek word for Lord, Jesus Christ. We have access by faith to stand in grace. And thirdly, from this passage, we rejoice in hope. Let's just look at those for a second by themselves. The benefits. We have peace with God through our kurios. Jesus Christ. What does curios mean? It means Lord. It means authority. Anyone that's been tuning in for the past few months to the podcast we've been doing, the Master's Crib, you've been hearing a lot about this because the Bible is replete with passages that speak about authority. And it's important that we understand who has the authority, why they have the authority, and what the limits are and how that can be used. What exactly is that person allowed to do that's in that authority? Ultimately, who do they have to answer to? So we have peace with God through our Lord, through our authority, Jesus Christ. So by faith, we transfer lordship of our lives from ourselves to Christ. Because understand this, before you're a Christian, you have a lot of say in the things you do. And you don't have the sting that you have once you become saved. When I become saved, I have the desire to do what God wants me to do. Before that, not so much. You know, we have a conscience. We know when we do wrong, but we don't really have the desire outside of, of being saved to do what is right. The desire is, is not there. But a benefit of justification is we now have that desire because by faith we transfer lordship of our lives from ourselves as me being king, me being lord, me being authority of myself. Now it is Christ. Now that does not abdicate my responsibility over my own life where I can just say, well, God did it. I acted this way because God willed it. My choices are important. I am still held responsible for these things. But listen, the ultimate authority that I'm answering for in the choices that I make is no longer myself. It's not, well, I feel like I should do this. Now it is, what does Christ want me to do? Him being our Lord means more than just something we sing in Sunday morning worship services. It means more than we say in our prayers. It means there's not one spot, not one iota in our life where he does not say, this is mine, where he does not have the authority All authority has been given to him in this transfer. So one of the benefits, which is a beautiful benefit, is peace with God. We're going to talk about that peace in just a second. Another benefit, which is beautiful, is access by faith to stand. To stand in grace. What what does stand mean? Well, stand means to be established. That's the word that we're talking about here. Access by faith to stand in grace, to be established in grace. By faith, our foundation for living has been replaced from works to grace. So all of that, well, I I hope God sees the 
life that I lived and the people that I reached out to, and, and he just thinks that's good enough to atone for my sin. Not so, will not happen. Do not put your eggs in that basket. You will be mightily disappointed, understatement of the century. By faith, our foundation for living has been replaced from works, from what we do, from what we can do, from what we feel we should do to earn God. Now it's all about grace. Now again, this does not abdicate my responsibility to do good works. In Christ, I am to do good works. I was created to do good works. These works were created for me before the foundations of the world, which is what we're told in Ephesians. However, these works do not justify me. They are evidence of our justification in Christ. Third benefit. Beautiful, beautiful benefit. We rejoice. Rejoice where? We rejoice in hope. This word rejoice here means to boast or to exalt. So by faith, our hope in the glory of God is what we are loud about. And I ask you this morning, in your Christian walk, what are you loud about? What's the one thing that when you leave the room, people are mentioning? What are you loud about in your life? Are you rejoicing in this hope? By faith, our hope in the glory of God is what we're loud about. It's the point we want to bring attention to. Not, oh, look, what a good little girl, what a good little boy they are. No, it's, man, God is so good. He's given me above and beyond what I could ever ask, what I could ever deserve. And this is because of Christ. It's not deserved, it's grace. So by faith in Christ, he has changed, what? Everything. By faith in Christ, he's changed everything. And these benefits that we have are evidences of a changed relationship to the Father. The fact that we have these to know and enjoy, these are evidence of a changed relationship to the Father. What is that change that has taken place? Well, we read about it right here in this passage. Verse 1, it's peace. Peace. Say, well, that's very familiar to the Jews. They use that as their greeting. They use that when they were saying goodbye to one another. Uh, Many people that we know have a shalom doormat out front of their house. Peace when you enter this house. Peace when you leave. Everyone wants peace. Peace. The peace that we're talking about here is slightly different than the Hebrew word shalom. The Hebrew word shalom is talking about a balance. Irene is the Greek word that we are speaking of here, and I just want to point out to everyone, this is not shalom. So before everyone says, oh, I need to throw out my Bible now because they used peace in the New Testament and the Old Testament means two different things. No, it does not. No, it doesn't. Not at all. We are talking about a balance, but we are talking about a defined balance. All right, so we're not talking about um, shalom as in just a balance in life, which is what people wanted, a balance between creation, a balance between themselves and God, a balance between them and the people that they are in a relationship to. We're talking about more than that. What this word means is freedom from war. We're told in the scriptures that you and I, outside of Christ, are at war with God. We're 
in enmity with God. We are fighting against him for authority over our lives. We are fighting against him in sin because we love our sin and we cling to it. And that's the thing we want to live for. And when we come to Christ, we're free from that. And that's the peace that's spoken of here. No longer are you at war with God. In Christ, you are no longer at war with God. Some other places in Scripture, so we can get a better understanding about what this word means, we see in the book of Mark this idea of freedom from war. Mark 5, 24 through 34 says this, And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus was saying there, in that very moment, the war, it's over. That war for you is over. You now have peace. You now have peace. Your faith has made you well. Be healed of your disease. Go in peace. Again, another example of where this word is used in the same way. Luke 176 through 79. Remember, this is when Zechariah is is singing his song, knowing about all that's going to come through John. And he says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Who is he speaking of here? John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. For you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Freedom from war. So we have many, many benefits because of this justification. Not only do we have benefits because of our justification, we have benefits out of our suffering. And this is something that we as Christians don't really like to talk about very much because we're told by so many people, well, as soon as you become a Christian, the suffering ends. Wrong. Ask anyone who's been a Christian for longer than a day, they will tell you the suffering has not gotten better. It's just gotten different. All right, so suffering here means pressure, all right? It means affliction or distress, a condition that describes um, what many people are going through even as we speak. I know a lot of people are going through suffering in their bodies, pain, stress, 
Um, and there are people that are going through suffering in their lives, financial suffering. Um, there's relational suffering, all kinds of things going on. And I want to tell you this morning, I want you to hear my voice wherever you are. This is so vitally important for you to take away. If you forget everything else, remember this. It's going somewhere and it's doing something. Your suffering is not for nothing. It's going somewhere. It's doing something. Look at Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces what? Endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So for the believer... Suffering is promise, but it's for our good. It's for our good. Becoming a Christian does not mean that you get a pass on suffering. No, suffering is coming. Some people are like, well, I, I, I thought now that I'm a Christian, my life should just get easier. No, it has not. Anyone that's told you that is a liar, and they ought to have their television program removed from television. Um, us Christians should stand up and say, enough of that. We're done with it. Stop lying to people. So suffering has meaning. It has meaning. Suffering has purpose. All right, Romans 5, 3 through 5 again, says that there's something that happens here. You all see this? Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that something happens. What happens? Look at this handy little chart I threw together here. Sufferings lead to endurance, lead to character, lead to hope. But I want everyone to pay attention to exactly how this is written for us. It's a road. So you don't get to go from sufferings to hope. No, that's not the way that it works. There is a pattern that we see here in Scripture, and it's a pattern that we need to pay attention to. Because if you are suffering and feel as though you're suffering in vain, perhaps you are. Where is your focus? Where is your heart in this? What are you paying attention to? Have you listened to what God has to say about what you're going through? Because if you haven't, you might be missing the point. And the last thing we want to do with suffering is to continue to suffer and miss the point. We want to get stronger through this. So suffering, it produces endurance. Take a look at this guy right here. That's where we all want to be, right? Big, strong muscles able to pick up those huge weights. That's where we want to be. But do you know what causes a man to look like this? What causes a woman to gain huge muscles? Stress. Stress causes the building of muscles and the ability to remain or endure under the weight. Why is it that you and I can't just go and toss up 300 pounds on our shoulders? Because we have not yet been underneath the stress that we need to. Our bodies are not used to that yet. That builds that endurance within us. Remember, that chart, sufferings lead to endurance. So you don't get a pass from sufferings to hope. No one gets that. In order to get to endurance, we need to suffer. And bearing under that weight, we have the ability to endure and endurance also has an evidence. It has something that it produces. It's not empty. What's it produce? It produces character. We see that on the chart here. Endurance 
produces character. What is character? Character is proof. It's evidence. You see here the bars of gold that are being poured out. These are not being poured, poured out of a pitcher, okay? This was not printed off at the treasury. This is the real deal right here in front of you. You are seeing it come out of the flames, hot and liquid, but that has been refined. You see, the flames melt away impurity and make you stronger. Some people, they disagree with me, and that's fine. They disagree with what I'm saying right now, the fact that suffering is necessary, and that's fine. They teach you that you suffer because of your perspective. Well, I just need to look at this whole thing a little bit differently. Perhaps there's something in here that I'm missing. Maybe I just need to change the way I'm looking at this and realize that I already have victory over this. Well, we all know that does not work. It's, it's a lie. It's a lie. Going from suffering to hope isn't a choice. It's a process. So you don't just get to say, boy, I wish I had more hope in my life and I'm suffering now. That's not the way this works. Too many Christians were taught that that's the way this works and it's wrong. There is a pattern that we need to follow and it's laid out to us in the Bible. Going from suffering to hope isn't a choice. It's a process. This is what going from suffering to hope looks like as a choice. You see that? That's ridiculous. The goose in a mud puddle thinking that he's in the middle of, of a big pond. That's optimism. That's not what we're talking about here. Optimism will not drag you through the flames of trial, but faith will give you the ability to walk through. So we rejoice in suffering. Uh, not because we're crazy. Right? Some people, oh, yeah. You just, you just want to suffer. No, that's not it at all. We rejoice not because we're crazy. Crazy people would rejoice. No, we rejoice because we know what's coming. What's coming in the end. What is coming in the end? It's, it's hope. Suffering builds hope into the life of the believer. It builds hope. And point number three, there's no shame in hope. None. Hold up the universal sign for zero. That's how much shame there is in hope. None. Look what the passage says. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Underline that. Highlight it. Circle it. Do what you need to so that when you're looking through this passage because you are suffering and you don't know where to go or what to do, you don't know when hope is coming, underline this, circle it. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Many have invested their whole lives into something they hoped that in the end they would find something but in the end, it brought them only shame. They invested their entire life into, into a career, or into a person, or you know, into their children, their grandchildren, in some way to make them something that they're not. And in the end, it brought them only shame. There's no hope in that. Why, why did it bring them shame? Why? Well, look at the verse. 
Look at the verse. Hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. And this is not oshigushi. This is not the way you feel about your favorite dessert. It's not the way you feel about your football team or your cat. This is not love, okay? The love that we're talking about here is something so much more powerful. This is power. The distribution of this is power. This love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he gave to us. So if you are in Christ... God is in you. That's why it's so vitally important that we pay attention to the words that come out of our mouths because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to pay such close attention to the things that we're doing, what we're saying, what we're thinking. Because if you're in Christ, God is in you. Therefore, 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 if God is in you, you go through suffering fully armed and equipped for the battle. Say, well, what does that mean for us as believers? Well, it means this. Your suffering isn't purposeless. There's a point to what you're going through. All right, God is doing something. So listen up. You have someone in your life that is stressing you out. You may have a group of people in your life stressing you out. You have a job situation that is, it, it's stressing you out. Your finances are where they are pressing in. They, they are stressing you out. You don't know what to do. And you're suffering because of the amount of stress you're under. Because that's what suffering is. It's stress. It's affliction. So rather than go down this path that God has given us to lead us to a strong and bright hope, instead we decide, no, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay here under the pressure. All right, staying under the pressure is one thing when you plan on going forward, but not when you just plan on remaining. This endurance that we get is meant to lead us somewhere. Why? Because God is doing something through your suffering. I don't care if it's, if it's pain in, in your body. I don't care if it's finances. I don't care if it's, it's relationships. I don't care if you've fallen off on your responsibility and now you're feeling the weight of that. God is doing something through your suffering. He wants to accomplish something. He wants to give you a bright hope. When are you going to follow him there? It's not pointless. It's not purposeless. God is doing something. Friends, take hope this morning in the fact that the things that are before you have meaning. God is building into you an eternal weight of his glory. He is building into your life a picture, a picture of gold that has been refined by the fire. 
your life in the midst of your suffering is becoming a testimony for those of us that are watching. That we can turn and we can give God the glory.